Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershadze, and we have a wonderful special guest here in Ben Woodward. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's good to be here. I'm really excited to have you. So before we get started, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, The format of the show is quite simple. We're bringing together change makers who are living their passions to create greatness in the world around them, and Ben is neither short of neither greatness nor passion. So really happy to have him here. A couple of things about live streaming. First of all, we are live. Start a watch party, ask us questions. I have my team on standby. They'll be shooting questions over. I just want to say this, you know, like I've, uh, Ben and I, we have the same publisher for our book, Lion's Crest. And so I reached out to Lion Crest, Lion's Crest. And I said, hey, uh, who are the, who, I want some really interesting authors that, to be on the live stream. So they introduced me to Ben. They sent over his bio. I'm like, oh, this looks so interesting. And so before you started the show, though, I wanted to dig in a little bit on your background. And I asked Ben, I said, you know, they talk a lot about the book in the bio. I, I really want to learn more about you. Ben's a speaker, has spoken on many continents, uh, former president of a $100 million company, entrepreneur, and, and really doing some really interesting things around, around change making and around some really interesting ways of approaching the world. He's the author of The Empowerment Paradox. I'm going to read this part so I don't screw it up. Uh, and he's the author of The Empowerment Paradox and reveals vital virtues that, when developed, provide clarity and understanding for dealing with the complexities of life. So that's, I don't know if that's, a, if that, that's kind of vague, and maybe I should have given some of the background, but what, if you wouldn't mind, Ben, number one, man, welcome to the show, my friend. I'm so, so pumped to have you here. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. It's really good to be with a fellow, uh, a fellow Lions Crest uh, author, man. Yeah, no, it's like we, we got our book babies. And now, now, I forgot to ask, when has the book came out yet, or when is it coming, coming out? Yeah, it came out in July last month, um, and it did great. It became a bestseller overnight, which was really, really uh, good. That's so yeah. awesome. So best-selling author now. You can add that to the, to the, to the old resume. But um, the book's out. You got you birthed the baby. Now you're out there promoting the book, which is awesome. If you wouldn't mind, you know, uh, you know I love getting authors on the, on the show. And what I tell people, I go, you know, I'd never written a book entire. Is this your first book or have you written books yeah, before this? It's my first one. Yeah, yeah. So so writing a book is a process and it's quite quite a, a, a an achievement. So kudos to you for that. But if you wouldn't mind, like maybe tell our audience a little bit about you know about the empowerment paradox, how did it come to be and and why did you want to bring this world to, this book to the world? Sure. So the, the premise of the book is that there is a duality, a coexistence of joy and suffering in life. And often you know, when we look to create our ideal futures, and especially when we hear people say, you know, let's kind of create the vision board for what does your future ideal self and state look like? Uh, people often create this kind of emotional homeostasis where everything is just nice and, and simple and the work-life balance is right. My health is perfect. My finances are in order. My relationships are great. They, they kind of have that ideal scenario, but that removes the essential ingredient of adversity that actually drives us to that point of arrival in the first place. So it explores the necessity of the coexistence of those two, 
joy and suffering, two sides of a single reality. Um, and then from there, it goes into essential virtues that we need in order to combat the adversity when it comes. One, understanding the, the essential necessity for it. But then, now that it comes, because it's going to come to all of us at some point, how do I respond with strength and use it as an opportunity to find greater purpose, greater meaning, and a, a sense of transformation to become better as a result versus just get through it? Yeah. So, so when, and I love that because it, I can't remember the quote, but it's something like the stress on the vine creates the greatest wine, right? Mm. Which is this idea that like, like with stress on these, like when you're making wine, the grapes that really endure the most, like the hardest, you know, environments usually end up, you know, many times end up being the greatest fruit. And so that I think kind of the reason I thought of that was this idea around, we want this emotional homeostasis, as you said. And, and, and listen, like our body fights for homeostasis, whether it's gaining and losing weight, whether it's, yeah. you know, I just want to, I don't want any stress in my life. How many people say, Oh, you know, you know, it's stress kills. Right. And so we want, we, we just kind of want to, I, I hate to say this, but kind of be asleep. Right. Yeah. And we just want to, yeah. we just want to kind of cruise through life. And so what I'm hearing you say is no, if we want to have this greatness or we want to have these changes that, that there is some sort of like pain that goes with that change in order to accomplish because that's what, if you get out of homeostasis, essentially it yeah. is, it's that you're out of your comfort zone and you're in some, some area that needs to be adjusted, changed, fixed, call what you want to end up elevated at a new, in a new, in a new plateau, if you will. Is that, am I kind of hitting on that the right way? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and also yeah, those, those opportunities for change and transformation may occur in places where we least expect. Yeah, and that was, going back to one of your earlier questions of you know, what brought the book about, was I experienced some, some personal adversity that required me to confront some very difficult decisions and choices and situations in my, in my own private life that as my career blossomed years down the road, uh, aside from that situation, uh, when I got confronted with corporate crisis as a, as a business leader, the, the experience that I had personally actually brought out some of the best qualities for me to rise up as a leader in a moment of crisis. And, and that was really interesting for me to, because I, I was a young leader at the time. I, I felt very privileged to be in that position um, at the age that I was. But what I found was when the crisis hit, and the market was suddenly under this moment of, you know, kind of do or die, that the experience from my past actually fueled the opportunity to succeed and thrive commercially. And that was just great to see. And that, and that kind of brought that out in the book is sometimes we think we've got disadvantages. You know, a friend of mine once said to me uh, when I was struggling and doubting myself, he, he said, Ben, he says, do you consider yourself someone with real potential? or someone that just grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and got lucky. Yeah. And, uh, and what I've found is if we feel like we're on the wrong side of the tracks, sometimes that's the best place to be. Um, if we understand how to confront it and, and respond to it, because that can be a great opportunity for success down the road. So, uh, and you know, obviously it sounds like you dive into this in your book, but do you mind giving a specific, uh, specifically what happened in your past that you were able to draw from and maybe how you were able to apply that commercially in the future? Sure, sure. So I, uh, I grew up in New Zealand and at the age of about 22, I decided in a moment of impulse to jump on a plane, fly over to the UK and catch up with my father who I hadn't seen since I was 14. I had enough money for a one-way ticket and uh, I had 50 pounds in my pocket. So not a lot of money uh, going on there. And uh, I flew over with great enthusiasm to reunite. And of course, as you can imagine, anyone that's been separated from their dad from the age of 14 to 22, that's, there's going to be a lot of anticipation, a lot of buildup, a lot of enthusiasm, excitement behind that. And um, shortly after getting over there and moving in with them, uh, I found out that he was a sex offender and he hadn't, he hadn't been to prison for it. it. It was unconvicted crimes. What do you do with that? You know, where do you go with that? And, and that, I mean, that, that created a whole host of difficult 
decisions for me and a whole host of uncomfortable emotions that I had to confront. And, and the challenge was I'd gone over to New Zealand, uh, to, from New Zealand to England, all the family that I grew up with, that I had the close relationships with, that I had bonded with, all of that real strong support system was on the other side of the world. And the consequence of it, what, what did it mean for me? It, it meant doing the right thing. I learned in a situation like that, you do what's right, not what's easy. Awesome. So it, it meant that I, you know, I stood by the side of his victims, supported them um, every step of the way through that process. I facilitated the police investigation and his arrest, testified against him in court, and even drove him to court myself when he went to get locked up. And um, that was not an easy deal to work with. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now, and let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life. From canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. Wow. So you, you, your father, is your father English or is he from New Zealand? He's English. And so he, uh, did, did you guys live in England and then move to New Zealand or did he live in New Zealand and then move to England? Uh, you know, my parents had gotten divorced when I was three. My mum remarried. And so we were born in the UK and then I relocated uh, with a second marriage. Got it. And so, you're, so, you're, so you hadn't seen your father in eight years. You go to the UK to reunite with him. Mm. One way or another, you figure out that your father's, uh, you know, committed crimes and you're like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to turn him in. And yeah. so how, what did that do to your relationship with him? Like how, like what, what is that even, I don't even know what, what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, it, it was complicated. It was complicated because 
he's got a great way of keeping his cards close to his chest. Um, perhaps that's a habit that develops over the years when you've got a lot of secrets, yeah? But it developed a very awkward, superficial relationship, yeah? There, there was Because you also had this period of time where in between arrest and the court case, I'm a, test, I'm, I'm a witness against him uh, in the court case, which means they say, don't talk to him. You can't have contact. But that, that, that period of time just drags on. It's not, it's not a three-month window where you just have to stay away or avoid each other at some point. And uh, that, that just dragged on. And so, you know, since he's, I went and visited him in, in prison, uh, kept in contact. And, and what's been interesting is, and I, I do kind of refer to this in one of the virtues that I discuss in the book, is the necessity for surrender. And when I talk about surrender, I'm not talking about giving up or giving in. I'm talking about letting go of the illusions in our lives that we put around our sense of self, our circumstances, or our future. And, and what I needed to do in order to have an appropriate relationship moving forward was to surrender the illusions that I had around who he is, uh, and what that relationship should look like and what, what kind of experience I can have moving forward. I, I also had to go through my own journey of being able to let go of all the hurt, all the offenses, all of the pain that comes with that, so that I can go through that process of sending him to prison with the right motives, the right intent, um, and the right hopes and expectations. So your father went to prison and did you, how, did your relationship disintegrate? Do you still have a relationship with him? What, what happened from that? Is he out of prison or is he still in prison? Yeah, he, he's out of prison now. And it was a, um, it, it kind of disintegrated, came back together um, and found its proper place. It's a bit like a pendulum swing, I guess. Yeah. I went over there with great hopes <laughs> they kind of crashed and burned. Um, and okay, clearly not what I was expecting here. Um, and, and then kind of from the ashes, it rose not to a place that I hoped it would be in the original instance. It's just not going to be that. Yeah. So what we did was we just found where is the real space for us to exist? And I, I think he would probably like to have a closer bond, but he needs to put in more effort, which it's it's on his his shoulders to do so i i have my my arms open for him to move forward correctly but i've also been clear and open in my communication with him as to you know what what is required on his part to put things right uh and not 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 in a demanding sense yeah right just in a transparent you're transparent just being about transparent yeah just being yeah. transparent yeah yeah that's great and so going back to you you know you're 22 you go to the uk you know, I had read in your bio that you were also suffering from bipolarism at this time. Yeah, I, I wasn't diagnosed at that point. Um, so that, that was a fun element to, to grapple with as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that was an additional um, insight that gave flavor for me for understanding because that was actually, that's actually been for me um, more complex and complicated than dealing with my father and that relationship and that experience of him going to prison. Um, because the mind can be a wonderful thing. It can be your yeah. best friend or it can be your worst enemy, depending on, on what's going on in there. So, so learning to understand it, um, getting a proper diagnosis and learning to respond in a healthy way to managing um, it, the symptoms and how it reveals itself, the triggers and so on, so that I can have a productive, meaningful and rewarding life. It's turned out to be initially overwhelmingly frustrating and despairing. Yeah. Um, some of my darkest episodes I can't even put into words to describe. But the critical thing is coming from the other side of that, um, when I refuse, because the reality is, it's like, what am I going to do with this? You know, I had a therapist say to me once, you can't, they, clearly you're reading a lot up on the subject, Ben, but you can't educate yourself out of this. Right, right. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Because this is an enduring illness. You're going to have this throughout your life. And so, again, that's, that's, that's why that principle of surrender is such an important one for me. It was a journey for me to get to the point where I could say, I, I need to let go 
of this ideal in my mind that that illness doesn't exist. Right. And so where I question I want to go to is you're obviously a very successful person. You're a president of a $100 million company, speaker from all over the world. Now you're an entrepreneur and an author. And so I got to imagine that when you have that level of, I'm trying to, ambition maybe it's not the right word. Maybe it's just that level of wanting to achieve, right? Because you, mm. do, you don't do those things unless you want to achieve. And, and yeah. sorry, bro, but it takes one to no one, right? So yeah, I'm sure, like sure. Too, yeah. right? So to have that, and on the other side of this is this uncontrollable, I don't even know what to call it, but this uncontrollable thing in your, in your mind that you have to surrender to. Mm. How, how, did you, how did you come to that ability? How do you surrender to something as strong as that? Well, first, I would have to say that my desire to, to win <laughs> and to be the victor over my own circumstances has always trumped my fears. Uh, there has always been fears. There's always been trepidation, um, anxiety, worry, you know, uncertainty around what might lie behind any corner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but what has always been stronger than that fear has been my desire to be the master of my own fate. And, and, and that, I think, just continually pushes me into, my, into an uncomfortable space. And, and I've just learned that that's, <laughs> I, 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 I can't not be in it, yeah, because it's too frustrating to not be. What's the alternative? Right. No, no. I, I just asked because I, I myself have dealt with issues and, and not necessarily bipolarism, but but I, I've had, I've suffered from anxiety throughout my life and mm. uh, some, sometimes to a point where it was fairly debilitating. And um, I remember at this moment where I was having a lot of anxiety a couple of years ago, I mean, like, like debilitating anxiety. Mm. It was like going to bed, waking up, worried about, you know, things that I shouldn't have even have been worried about at the yeah. level I was. And I had this moment because, you know, and my book's called the core value equation, which is all around how do you, it, the book's about how do you build a core value driven organization? What's come out of that is now I'm living this core value driven life. Mm -hmm. and, and that's my next book, by the way. Nice, nice. <laughs> but uh, I had written my core values and, and my third core value is I call it eye of the tiger. It's around passion. Mm. And, and the last sentence in it is, you know, fight to win. Yeah. And I remember I was having this kind of like you made me think of that right now when you were just talking, but I was having this moment and I realized that when you have that fight, that, that like inability to give up, yeah. that sometimes that the actual inverse of this, like the jujitsu move on this is the surrender. Mm. And I had this moment where I imagined I was standing in front of a pool and I just fell in and the whole pool was filled with anxiety. And I was just like floating in anxiety. And I yeah. remember the moment I felt that way, my whole body just like kind of went limp and the anxiety went away. And I was like, fight to win, surrender to win. And I added mm -hmm. that sentence to my personal core values. So my question for you is, do you see those two as kind of in the same way that I do that, that fight and surrender are one in the same. They're just two opposite sides of the same point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it sounds surrender just sounds, doesn't it? The connotations of that word sound like giving up, sound like quitting. But, but real surrender in this context that we're talking about is actually one of the boldest and most courageous virtues to possess because too many people aren't willing to let go of the false beliefs that they hold on to in order to truly move forward towards their dreams. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather have a pretense of reality and hold on to that than accept the brutal facts of what's really going on so that I can confront it, lean into the pain, and move forward to a better place. Right. Yeah, they're not yeah. willing to do that, and that that takes courage and it takes boldness, and it requires a little bit of discomfort. But but the or, outcome is fantastic, or a, or a ton, or a lot, yeah. or a lot. <laughs> or a lot. Yeah. Um, but but the outcome is awesome because because then you get the real opportunity to get your goals realized. That's not going to happen if I'm holding on to into false beliefs. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I love that. So a couple things, like, first of all, you know, you made me think of something else, which is that 
I found that I, I have this very strong belief around being really, really straightforward with people and, and, mm. and like, like, like I, I am honest to a fault where sometimes I, I say too many honest things where it's like, I get myself in trouble. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm like an asshole. And I say something like, Hey, like, no, you're ugly, man. It's not like that. Shit. <laughs> no, you're beautiful. Yeah. You're beautiful, Ben. But, um, but it's not that I do that type of stuff, but maybe I'll be overly transparent and it creates worrisome for someone else. And so I realized, yeah, there's a time and place for all, absolute transparency. Yeah. And, and so the in the inversely, I realized I lie to myself. I do what you're talking about. And, yeah. and I found that I lie to myself in these really, really complex and manipulative ways to try to keep myself in some specific mindset. And so my question for you is, because that's what I just picked up, that, that we, we have these per perceptions that are not true, that we keep ourselves in to the word I use is to stay asleep. Yeah. I don't want to have the awakening moment because I don't want to deal with the pain of the awakening. Because once you are with awareness comes choice. And I don't want to have to make that choice. Yeah. I don't want to have to choose to like move on to the new life because of the pain that's going to be created in order for, to go there. And once I wake up, I can't deny that that's the reality now. I can't say that's not true. Yeah, right? you can't go back. Yeah, right. You, you, can, you can never go back to innocence, can you? <laughs> once it's lost, it's gone. You can't. Yeah, growing up requires giving something up. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and that's what we need to do. Yeah. I, and, and I love that. And I always say, I go, you know, man, I wish I was more ignorant because ignorance is bliss. Right. Um, but I'm not. And I, and I have that other side of it that you're talking about, which is that undying courage to put myself through fucking hell mm -hmm. <laughs> to grow yeah. because, I, because I, the truth comes out. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which is in your book, the empowerment paradox, when we talk about virtues, would you mind kind of going through that and, and, and talking about the different virtues you dive into and how readers are able to maybe, because I'm assuming everyone, are there a set set of virtues? Are, there, are people's virtues different by person to person? How does that play out? Yeah, no, I identify seven um, essential ones to focus on. Of course, there are a lot, yeah, and that gives me the chance for future books to, to delve in, into more detail down the road, of course. But, but these ones are progressive, and they are helpful to us in establishing our own journey to get out of that sleepful state and move forward and, and confront the tough stuff so that we can truly achieve what our heart desires, yeah? And so it, it actually starts with... You know, the first virtue is a disciplined heart. And, and, and I talk about it being a disciplined heart because, you know, in, in desiring success or achievement in any way, we've got to want the consequences of what we want. Mm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, what that means is if I want, you know, victory will always require sacrifice and it will require effort. So I need to want the effort. Yeah. So what, what happens if I don't? And this was, again, each of these have kind of come through in a, in a, in a uh, subliminal sense, autobiographic, autobiographical journey of mine in, in dealing with my own personal challenges that I talked about um, earlier on in our conversation is well, what, what happens if what I want isn't the right thing? Yeah. What if I want the wrong thing? You know, what, what happens if I want the right thing, but I don't want it enough? Yeah, because there, there, is, there is quantity and priority that goes into having our heart and our desires in the right place. So I, 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 kind of, I start there in, in identifying the necessity for us to train our desires so that we can not just want the right thing, but we can want it in the right way, in the right amount. So from there, from, from there we move on to having an educated mind, uh, because critically having the right heart is not enough. And I, I saw in some of your previous uh, interviews that you had, as, as, I, as I watched before uh, the call, you know, the critical importance of, there are so many self-proclaimed gurus out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love and and we've, got to be, we've got to be careful who we choose to listen to. We live in an information age. And someone rightly said to me the other day, it's also the misinformation age. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've got to be careful. We need to be educated. Um, and, and my principle behind this is wherever we're at, we should have a commitment to level up, level up our education and get smarter. And, and that journey of learning should be an ongoing lifelong process. We should never, as soon as we stop learning, I think we damn ourselves. So 
you know, constantly pursuing education. From there, you know, having a nourished sense of faith, because at the end of the day, no matter how much I know, I'm not going to know everything in the time that I need it. And right. it's going to be required of me, uh, be it as a business leader, be it as an entrepreneur, be it as a husband or father or parent or, or spouse or anyone in any role that I play, at some point in my life, I'm going to have to take a step out into the dark and take a leap of faith. Um, but how do I do that? And critically, if I'm dealing with adversity, because this is the framework that I've kind of couched it in, if I'm dealing with adversity and I need to take a leap of faith, uh, what happens if I've done my research to try to figure out how to get out of this mess that I'm in or solve this complex problem that I'm facing? Uh, what if I, I'm training my desires? I really want it and I've really studied up on it and I don't have all the answers, but I don't have the faith to take the step. Yeah, because every action is a consequence of our faith in ourselves or our circumstances, the situation that we're in. So how do I develop that if I don't have any? I really want to get to the grassroots of, of the virtues. It's not just about saying this is what it looks like. What happens if I don't have faith, but I need it? Yeah, and, and, and that leads on to patience. What happens? I, I, it's so easy, isn't it? When someone's suffering, they're having a hard time. Hey, hang in there. Be patient. This, this time will pass. What, what happens if I'm not patient? How do I foster and develop that patience? And I, I love this prin principle, this virtue. It's one of my favorites. There's an old proverb that says, in patience possess ye your souls. And I, I love that. And the antithesis of that is also true. In impatience, we often lose them. We make bad choices, bad decisions, rash choices through impatience. But research has shown, again, coming down to the core um, level, the basic starting point, what happens if I don't have patience? What if this, this problem that I'm dealing with, this anxiety or this stress, this worry, this overwhelm, what if it's going on longer than I think I can handle? And I don't feel patient at all. Research has shown that if we can engage our imaginations in, in, in an experience that is requiring us to develop patience, we can develop and foster our patience much better than simply relying on grit or white knuckling it with willpower alone. Um, so, you know, we explore there, how do we, how do we develop and foster the patience, engage our imagination and expand out so that we can really make progressive, meaningful steps through and up out of whatever we're struggling with. So let's use that as an example, because I think, I mean, these, Number one, like my mind is being blown right now. So thank you for this. But um, let's say you're going through a really tough situation, like a mm. really, really tough situation. And, and we'll use, for example, like, you know, because typically when people white knuckle, they're, 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 you know, in general, you know, look, I think most people can handle a certain level of stress and they just you yeah. know, white knuckle it out. But I think that there are these moments in life, you know, I, I certainly have had them where, like it's pretty unbearable and it goes on and on and on and on. And what I'm hearing you say is that there is a, and I don't disagree with it. I'm just, this is more of a question, which is mm. if you, how do you develop that sense of patience so that when you're confronted, when you're looking down the belly of the beast, dealing with this unbearable situation that's going on and on. Like I've had friends going through these brutal divor divorces, like yeah. brutal. And I see it like take their soul out of their life. Yeah. Right? I think that's probably one of the better examples I have is mm. going through a brutal divorce. Their ex is just, dude, every chance they get just shooting arrows at them. And, and they, you know, they try to get recalibrated, go back to, to a normal life. And then they get it. They take an arrow in the leg and they yeah. pull it out. They fix it. They go back, they got an arrow on their side. Right. And so how do you develop that sense of patience when potentially a, the worst possible outcome can happen or B that, you're just dealing with something that you just are tired of and you just don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind on that. And, and the first is, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Stockdale paradox. I've heard of it, but remind me. Okay. Okay. So um, Admiral Jim Stockdale was the highest ranking military official that was captured during the Vietnam war. And he caught the world's attention for two reasons. One, his rank. You know, he was the highest ranking official that was, that was captured. And, and when he was captured, by the way, he was, he was in a prisoner of war camp 
for you know, a good number of years. He saw his friends and colleagues around him uh, die during the, their, their time in the camp. He was tortured at least 20 times. You know, this was a horrific ordeal. Yeah, and, and being a prisoner of war is different to being a regular prisoner. You don't have a release date with being a prisoner of war, yeah? So, you know, think of what that does psychologically when there is no release date, yeah? And, and so, so he, he caught the world's attention for that reason, but he also caught it for another reason. He came out of that experience a stronger and better person. And so he was being interviewed and, so, and he was asked, how, how is this possible? Well, first of all, who were the first people to die in the camp? Because it wasn't through malnourishment or anything like that. They died for different reasons. Who were the first people to die? And he said, well, let's break it up into three different categories, the obvious categories, you know, optimist, realist, pessimist. Of those mindsets, who were the first people to fall? And I've asked this question to audiences around the world now, and on every occasion they get it wrong. You know, it, well, it's their entrepreneurial environments most of the time, yes. Yeah? So they always go, it's the pessimists. You know, their bad attitudes sink them. And it's not the case. The optimists are the first to die. The optimists die. Oh, no Optimists way. die first. Please tell so, me the real, us realists live the longest. The realists live the longest. And, yes. <laughs> and and he, he, he said this. He said the optimists would do this. They'd say, don't worry about it. We'll be out for Christmas. Yeah. And then Christmas would come and go and they wouldn't get out. Don't worry about it. We'll be out for Valentine's. We'll be out for Easter. We'll be out for Thanksgiving. These dates would come and go and they wouldn't get out and it would break their spirit and eventually kill them. Oh, they couldn't stay optimistic. They couldn't maintain it because it wasn't founded on correct principles. Their optimism. It was a wish. It wow. wasn't founded on something that was valuable. He said, and they said, so what did you do then that, that saw you come out not just surviving, but with strength. And this is the paradox. He said, first, I had to accept the brutal facts of my present reality. And this, this goes to your, your question here. Yeah, How do I respond and be patient, deal with something when it's so tough? First, I have to accept the brutal facts of my present reality. And second, this is what he chose. For him, it wasn't divorce in that moment. For him in that moment, I'm a prisoner of war. I may get tortured today one of my friends may die in front of me. Yeah. Um, I don't know when I'm getting out. These are pretty brutal facts, but he said at the other end of the story, he said was that I believed, he said, you always have to believe in the end of your story. And that was for me, not only would I get out, but that I would turn that experience into the defining experience of my life that in retrospect, I would not trade. Wow. Now, that, that was an intense vision. So when I talked before about engaging our, our imagination in, in order to exercise patience, that's exactly what he did in that situation. He took a, a, an environment that was intense. He owned the, the, the facts of what's going on in his life, but he turned it into, I've got a vision that I'm going to get out of this and I'm going to survive. And I'm not just going to drag myself through limping and hobbling. I'm going to look back on this and say, I'm not going to trade that for anything. You, you don't own me. You don't own oh, me. Oh, wow. 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 I, I've never, I can't believe I haven't. I mean, I've heard of this. I've never heard of it in these terms. And it's so powerful what you just said, because what I just heard you say, the words I just heard you say were that sometimes you can't control your environment. Yeah. But like, and that's, that's a fact of life, right? The bad yeah. things can happen. But what I can control is how I'm going to let it affect my future self. Mm. Because I can control that. Like, so let's just say he's like, I'm going to be here for 20 years. But when I get out of this, yeah, here's how I'm going to be because I'm not going to let this own my life, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and how do we apply that for us right here and now? You know, the challenge is, first of all, accepting part of the brutal facts is it's not easy. No. It's not easy. Um, but we do it one step at a time. We, we can't look at our future state with the ex-wife or the ex-husband creating chaos and shooting those arrows into me left, right, and center and going, this is just my lot for the rest of time. 
if, 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 I, if I take it and turn it into one big thing, then it's too much to handle. But what I can do is respond to the moment. And that's the critical thing. So I can have my long-term vision that I'm going to turn this into the defining moment of my life or experience of my life that in retrospect, I wouldn't change. And I'm going to be better and stronger and bigger and, and all of that. Um, and I'm going to master the moment yeah. and respond to that. Master the moment. And, and don't stress about tomorrow. Just deal with what you're dealing with right here and now. And, and, if, and if sometimes that's the day, sometimes that's the afternoon, sometimes that's the next hour, sometimes that's the current conversation or the current state of feeling. Yeah. You've got to drill it down and just take that next step and move forward from there. So number one, man, this is like, I mean, I get to have a lot of cool conversations on this show, but I, don't, I mean, and I say this all the time, whenever I'm having these moments, I'm like, I'm, I, I do this show by myself in a closet. If I can get people like you to come on, it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like the coolest conversation. But, um, and my friends say it, they go, man, you look like you're having so much fun. I'm like, you don't even know it, man. I'm loving this because I get to learn from people like you who have done amazing things. You know, you've written your book. This is, I'm, I'm so excited to read your book. This sounds so cool. So did we go through all the virtues? Did, did, was there any that we missed? Oh, yeah, we missed a couple of others. Of course, we need the disciplined hard work. That's an important point. We've got an educated mind. You know, we've got the patience. We've got the faith. Uh, we've got the, the trained heart, uh, but we still need to work hard. Yeah. And um, one thing that I reference in there is, you know, even if you think you're one in a million, right? And there's a lot of us that feel that way, which is great. You know, statistically, with 7 billion people on the planet, that still means there's 1,000 other people out there just like you. And if, and if that's the case, what are you going to do to differentiate? Yeah. yeah. It's not simply about being awesome. Um, yep. you, you've got to be willing to work hard um, and pay your dues. So a liberated past is another virtue that I talk about, this need to let go of um, grudges that we may hold on to, offenses that we, we, we hold on to, hurts, disappointments, rejection, all of those things. And, of course, if we've made mistakes ourselves, learn to forgive ourselves. It's very hard to move forward into the future to a better state of being if I anchor myself to a definition of who I was versus who I could be. And if I'm striving to become something different, but I refuse to let go of my definition of my former self, it's not going to happen. So we need to be able to let go of that stuff. And, and that requires me to forgive others. You know, in order for me to move forward in my own life, forgiving my dad was essential as a part of that journey. Because otherwise, the lingering definitions and experiences around that, that, that are all part of the peripheral you know, impact of that, that explosion would continue to impact me and my perception of myself, my perception of life, the world, and my opportunities, all that kind of stuff. I've got to let all of that go. Um, so, so that's, you know, again, and how do I do that when it's really hard, if I don't want to, if I just don't feel I can. Um, and then the last one is that principle that we talked about before uh, of surrender, um, letting go of illusions. Wow, this is so cool. So let me, let me ask you a question. Um, and, and because when, what, where I, 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 I was very curious about when you say the word virtue, what you meant. And so this is a question that kind of dovetails off that, which is my belief from what I just heard you say is that the results we get are defined by the, how we, we interact with these different virtues, right? Yeah. And yeah. so in my book, The Core Value Equation, I essentially state that core values can become the language of your ex, can be the language of your life, they can be the language of the organization. And this book is particularly geared towards high growth organizations. So it's core values have the opportunity to become the language of your organization. Mm. And, and I had this experience with a really wonderful guy by the name of David Zellman. And David talked about, he asked me a question. And he said, Darius, what do you think creates all the results in your life? And I said, I don't know, maybe it's the, the actions I take. So, okay, well, what do you think creates the actions you take? So I guessed like 10 different guesses and got them all wrong. Mm. And, and he said, well, what if I told you it's the conversations that you have? And so I thought that was, I thought about it for a second. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, what, well you know, like, 
couldn't I argue or wouldn't, would you find it absurd for me to say that the conversations we either have internally or externally lead to actions that we take? Mm. Okay. I can, yeah, I can see that. And, and therefore leads to the results. So the conversations we have lead to the results that we have in our life. And I said, yeah, okay. I like, it, it made sense for me. And I, and I kind of started thinking about it. Right. So I started thinking, well, what kind of conversations am I having with myself? Yeah. And when you were just talking before I started thinking about those different virtues are a lot of different conversations that are being had internally. Yeah. Right. Like, especially around these ideas of being patient. Am I not being patient? Am I wanting something too bad? How much of it do I want? Right. These, all these virtues come up through the form of yeah. conversation. So the reason I asked that is that about three months after I did this work with him, I had this aha moment. Now you're talking to the core value guy, right? So like I'm obsessed with core values and how you use them. That's my, yeah. my tool. Yeah. And, and I said, um, Hey, I, Hey David, I had an epiphany on your whole equation. And he said, well, what's that? I said, well, let me ask you a question. What's a conversation made of? And he said, uh, words. I said, yeah, so it's like a string of words equals a conversation. And I said, well, what if I told you, I believe that the core values can become the language of your life. Therefore they become the words we choose, which become the actions we take, excuse me, the conversations we have, which then become the actions we take, which then become the results. Therefore yeah. I believe you're missing part of your equation, which is the core <laughs> values equal the results. So my question for you is in my world, core values equals results. So my question is, is are your virtues, are they different than values in your mind? Or are they, are they a pillar that values interact with, or are they your values? Are these the values that you believe affect the results in your particular life that are important for you? Is that? The yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're an expression of your values. Yeah. Uh, because what they, what they give you the chance to do is demonstrate what really matters most. Uh, and it's the effective implementation of your values. Interesting. Wow. So if my values are these big ideas that I stand, mm. that I, I live and die by, yeah. conduit for the results is the translation of that value are the virtues by which I play them off of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just changed my life, man. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love I'm just, it. I'm just telling you, man, you just changed my life. Like you just added a piece to my whole, my whole equation. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, well, who knew that was going to happen just now? I, I know. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. So, uh, look, in closing, you know, um, number one, man, what a mind-blowing conversation. I really appreciate you coming on here and having this conversation with me. Seriously. Oh, it's, it's been such a pleasure. Um, it, it's great. Like you said, it's so rewarding to talk about the things that matter most um, and to be enriched and informed to make new connections and uh, make new friends and get the word out on things that can really change and impact people's lives for the better. Yeah. It's, it's, it, 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 for me, it's like, it feels like a calling. This is one of the reasons why I love the show. It's like, I have the opportunity to meet someone like you to get to talk, have spent 47 minutes talking about awesome things to then know that this is now memorialized and people can learn and, and they have an opportunity to reach out and learn more from you directly. So that being the case. And so thank you, number one. Thank you. Uh, and number two, where can people find you? Um, you know, where's the book? I'm assuming the books in all the traditional places, but where's the book? Where can people find you? What are the things that people can connect with you for? Let it all out. Sure. Sure. So if you want to reach out and connect Ben woodward.com uh, is my web address. And on, on there, you'll have all of my social media handles, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, Instagram. You'll be able to connect and reach out that way as well. If you want to drop me a note and say hi, ask me a question, um, explore one of the things that we talked about today, I'd be happy to do so as well. And uh, yeah, I connect for a whole host of reasons, uh, corporate coaching, business consulting, one-on-one -on -one for entrepreneurs, if they're wanting to move their business forward, all that kind of stuff. My book, like you said, all the usual places. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, all those typical venues. Guys, uh, man, what a special person you are, Ben. Thank you so much for coming and being a part of the greatness machine. You are definitely creating some greatness in the world. And um, it's really like the gift is from, I just got the gift. So awesome. <laughs>
Thank you so much, Darius. Really, really appreciate it, man. Yeah, guys, listen, uh, we got more great people coming on this week. Uh, follow us at The Real Darius M on Facebook. You go to my website, www.therealdarius.com to subscribe to social, subscribe to the show, and obviously subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, where you can see all these shows and then some. Uh, so much gratitude here just now. Thank you, Ben. Uh, guys, we'll see you tomorrow. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.